Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Anthony, alongside the best Big 3 account in the universe, Big 3 News, a.k.a. Will, back with another edition of The Fourth Man, a pretty jam-packed edition, uh, I would say. I mean, we got a couple interviews on here, some we got some important dates to go over, and we're going to do all of that, but first and foremost, got to introduce the legend himself, Big 3 News, Will. How you doing, my guy? I'm doing all right. I think you uh, you gas me up a little bit too much sometimes, so I feel bad for some of the first time listeners. <laughs> think you know, like, wow, this guy must be crazy. But really, you know, I'm just a guy with an iPhone. So I do appreciate uh, that, and I appreciate being on the podcast as always. And I'm looking forward to, like you said, a jam packed episode. Yes, sir. And I can either gas you up a lot or not gas you up at all. There's no in between. I got to go <laughs> max out or not enough. But that's, that's besides the point here. Let's that sounds get, like a separate conversation. Yeah, for this, is, this, is sounding, this is sounding weird now. Okay, so let's get into some of the news. Before we do some of that, actually, let's go over some of the housework. If you want to find the show on social media or you want to find the best Big 3 account in the universe on, on social media, at Big 3 News, at 4th Man Pod, at A underscore Siggy. And if you want to watch the show on YouTube, it's YouTube.com slash 4th Man Pod. Guys, that content's only going to get better from here on out. It's also sometimes great to be able to see some of our guests on there that we've had on, such as Rick Barry, Michael Cooper, Nancy Lieberman, some of their reactions to it. I always love that they have like a Zoom background. I find that funny. Oh, yeah. Lots of good content coming on the YouTube side, so make sure you're subscribed over there. And if you, as always, for those of you listening on Saturday on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, we appreciate you guys as always tuning in each and every week. We appreciate Dash Radio for having us as well. All right, let's jump into it. I think last week we left off with letting you guys know that there were, in fact, ideas about when the combine would be and then uh, the the fact that a tryout would be held sometime in late May. Those dates have now been announced for both the tryouts and the combine, Will. Uh, the 22nd is going to be in D.C. for the first tryout ever, the first ever open public tryout for the big three. And then the following week on the 27th of May, they will have another tryout in Dallas, Texas. And five people from each of those tryouts will be selected and they will be able to join the big three combine. So super A minimum stuff. of five. A minimum of five. So it could be could be more. Could be more. Could only be Can't five. Can't be less. Can't be less than five. So We'll see how much talent pulls up to the draft. Well, it should be pretty exciting. I know, Will, you had something um, that you thought of that could interfere with some of that for our overseas guys. But before we get into that, I just want to say that the Combine has been announced that it will be on June 5th. Our guy, Will, did a little bit of digging and found the dates on there on the Big 3 website. So June 5th will be the Combine pretty shortly after the tryout. And then we'll have to figure out when the draft is. When It's usually right after the Combine, we'll, but we'll figure that out as we continue to move on. But Will, first thoughts to this, are, are you just glad that we have dates? Well, yeah, I appreciate you lobbying me credit on finding out the dates, uh, even though it really was just me reading the, the website. But I really have to give you the credit because like I said, before we started recording, I was listening mm. to last week's episode 
Um, just going over things, seeing where we left off. And you actually predicted spot on when the combine was going to be. Did I? Did I say you June were 10? like, you're like, I'm thinking probably first week in June for the combine. Okay. And okay. I was like, no, I don't think so. I'm getting used so, to this. Big so stuff. honestly, so, so credit to you for that. So, you know, and as my dog is going crazy, she's just as excited as I am. Thank I'm you. just Appreciate really, that dog. <laughs> I'm just really <laughs> excited that we finally have tryouts. You know, like I said in the last episode, uh, we've been talking to a lot of people who are really just excited to try out. And there's a lot of talent out there, obviously, you know, besides the people who are overseas or maybe the people who are, you know, we mentioned some of the big names. There are a lot of guys who I truly feel could compete for spots in the big three, given the right opportunity. And this opportunity has arrived. So I'm really excited for it. I'm really looking forward to it. I think Dallas and DC were two places that I wasn't expecting to have open tryouts. I know, um, what would I say? I mean, it gives an opportunity, I guess, for all over the country, different places. Not everything is in Cali. I know they were, I was talking to some people who were a little concerned with that. They're like, I hope this, this whole thing isn't going to be in Cali. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. It could be. <laughs> Just because of some of the restrictions that right. California has over other states, right? That's true too. And I was just thinking even more too how like how West Coast the big three is. I mean, it is a West Coast league. <laughs> It's very centralized, and it feels like really just L.A., not even California, just like L.A.-centric. Yeah. Will, you did mention something to me off the podcast before, even before today's show about this potentially interfering with some of the overseas guys who, you know, might have not played professionally, so they might not have, like, the automatic invitation to the combine, but it affects their part in being able to try out. Yeah, I mean, I just was looking through uh, the comments on like the big three social media, and I saw a couple of guys basically saying that they're overseas right now and that their seasons don't wrap up until mm-hmm. after when the combine and presumably the draft would take place. So it's really yeah. not an opportunity for those guys overseas to come to Vegas in person and showcase those talents. So, you know, I, I don't know if those were some individual cases. I don't know if every team in every country has the same type of schedule. I do know that. Most of them, like like it says, are around May, June, where it wraps up. So I guess those people would just go right from their EuroLeague seasons mm-hmm. to the big three combine and draft. But, you know, like you said, Anthony, also, too, this is the way it's always been. Mm-hmm. So We just haven't had know. a tryout before. Right. They just haven't had tryouts before. It hasn't been this open before. So well, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see moving forward if this is something that they'll have to adjust on the fly because they're not getting the reception that they would have. Yeah, I mean, the trial is going to be a in- big indicator if this is, you know, going to be well worth it for years to move along. You know, this is still on a point where things are being configured, you know, as the seasons continuously uh, improve and we can continuously have more. But I would say, too, that, you know, if, if you're playing pro overseas, you know, you do have that automatic invitation to the combine and even the draft pool. So you do have the opportunity. You know, this is a league that really empowers players and they want players to be able to pick guys that they play with. So, you know, if you have the right connections, it could help out. I know, you know, not everyone has the name recognition of Mario Chalmers to <laughs> stick your name in the draft right. pool and still get selected in the third round and not even be at the combine or the draft. But, you know, I do think that this is a league where connections matter, guys, you know, matter. Um, and then, I mean, the com- don't get me wrong, the combine is vitally important. We saw Chris Johnson go number two for a reason because he had an outstanding combine. And we've seen other guys in the past for the same reasons. But I do think, too, that a little bit of the advantages of just 
it's just networking and, and knowing the right guys. And sometimes that can work in your favor. We've heard from a couple guys that it worked for them. Um, you know, we, we don't really know how their combine performances was, but maybe the ultimate, the ultimate, you know, trait or ultimate asset was just to have somebody they know. So, you know, in that regard, I don't want to like discourage anybody from, from trying out or at least entering their name in the combine. Cause one, you, you just never know. And then two injuries happen a lot in this league. We saw power go through about 10 or 11 guys last year and have a different three, like different starting three, like every, every game, it seemed like. So I think there's certainly room and I think there's continuously going to be more room, you know, as this league gets yeah. bigger. Yeah. No, I, I think you make an excellent point. And I would say to those guys trying out, you know, the combine is definitely, I would, I would always recommend that if you are serious about wanting to play in the big three, you got to get to the combine. And mm-hmm. I'll say that, but I would also be lying if I said that everybody who gets drafted was at the combine and everyone who's had success in the big three was at the combine. I would say the majority of them were, but not everybody. So if you're killing it overseas, I think that tape is probably going to be better than, you know, the, the open runs of the combine or however they run it. Yeah. Well, so I, I wouldn't be too concerned, but I also too think, you know, we talk about it a lot. I think it's just another way and credit to the TBT who structured their schedule for these overseas guys. Yeah. How they can just, they just come right over into the TBT and it's just sort of this built in thing. I mean, they've really etched themselves into this, like this little corner or this little staple of the basketball calendar. Yeah. Like it's TBT time and guys know that. So, you know, credit to the TBT and the big three is still figuring that out in a way, and especially with how the NBA shifted, everybody has had to sort of shift and adapt around it. Mm -hmm. So it'll just be interesting to see. I just, I just thought, you know, it might be a small point, might not even affect everybody. I just thought it was just an interesting thing that maybe there are some guys in Europe who this prolonged start for the combine might adversely affect them. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, like you said, I went through some of those big three comments and I did see some concerns from some overseas guys. So I definitely think it's a point worth mentioning. You know, I will say in terms of the TBT and the big three, um, not that we're not fans of the TBT, but I do feel like the TBT is more of like the common area where everyone's accepted in and yeah. allowed in. And then you have the VIP area, which seems more like the big three. And this is nothing because of the league or because I think the big three is way better or anything. It's just more so like the big three has limited exclusive spots almost. In well, a that's sense. true. Yeah. I mean, that's and just the truth. you also get paid to play in the big three. You might not get paid to be in the TBT. So, you know, there's different advantages to it all. I think TBT being more open, you definitely, you know, open up room to have more guys in it and not feel like anyone's left out. Uh, but at the same well, time, there's with the 64 big three, teams in the TBT. It's right. a 60, it's 64 teams of five V five big three is eight teams of three V three. Exactly. 12 teams, 12 teams. And so with the big three, there's a lot of advantages. Once you make it, you know, maybe the hardworking grind is worth it in order to make a team because there's like, you know, I, I'm re- saying this repetitively, but there's a lot of advantage. And then two, the other thing I wanted to mention is I've been watching a lot of big three drafts lately, <laughs> just from season <laughs> two, prepping? from season Mel three. Kuiper? I don't know if I'm prepping or I'm reminiscing more, but okay. I, I definitely missed it, you know, because season two is such a, a closed in, compact group of people and they just have it in kind of the smaller ballroom and then they move to CBS for season three and they have like this, the, what is it? The eSports arena in Vegas and the yeah, pyramid, yeah. you know? It's just a whole different atmosphere. It's so crazy to see the advancements. But one thing that I didn't realize as I was watching Three's Company make their first pick, uh, you know, back when they were picking Andre Emmett for the first time, rest in peace. Andre Emmett was like, 
you know, we don't, or I'm sorry, not Andre Emmett. Drew Gooden was like, you know, we don't reward guys that didn't go to the combine. So I don't know how every team feels about that. I don't even know if Drew Gooden and Three's company feels like that. But just to your point, the combine can be very important because if you don't go, you might as well, you could potentially be writing yourself off to a couple teams that didn't see you. And then you also don't know those guys. So, you know, it could hurt you in that way. Well, I, I think Three's company is a textbook example of how to draft in the big three. True. And they are very reliant on what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. And 3v3 combine experience. I mean, Dermar Johnson has been on the show. He's talked to us about what he looks for in players and how he drafts. Mm-hmm. And it really all has to do with the eye test. A lot of his eye test and what, what are you doing in front of me? I want to watch you play. I don't just want to look at the cherry picked highlights that you're going to put together on a mixtape and send me. Right. You know, I, I want to see the good possessions. I want to see the bad possessions. And so I think a lot of teams are, if they aren't doing that, they're smart to that because Three's company has probably had the best track track record for finding uh, gems in the Big Three draft pool. Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, I agree with you, Anthony. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And exactly what you said too, the pool is so deep. I just feel like, you know, how many guys could you possibly have the opportunity to scout at the combine? Yeah. It feels like these squads are going to have to rely more on their co-captains to go yeah. out and and look and recruit and scout some of these guys because there's no way that one man or even two men, the coach and the captain, can go out there and, and scout such a deep pool of professionals, amateurs, overseas guys, people at the combine, people not at the combine, yeah, you know, c- celebrities <laughs> at this point. I mean, the big three just tweeted <laughs> at Jay Cole basically asking him to join the league. So – they want him so bad. Uh, they want him so bad. So it's going to be very, in, extremely interesting to see. I mean, this season is going to be, this offseason is such an experiment in and of itself. And the actual, the end product, the end rosters that make it to opening day are going to be very unique and very interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. And I think, well, I just want to say one, you know, the rosters are going to be consistently changing, even up to the draft. Like I've said, I've been watching a lot of the drafts and I didn't even realize like the day of the draft, you know, Killer Threes found out Al Harrington's not playing and Frank Nitty's going to be a co-captain. You know, that enemies found out Lamar Odom's going to be a co-captain. So a lot can change even leading up to the draft. You know, you might have to change your strategy just like um, Killer Threes did. But also too, I just, I, I wonder if there's going to be like any captains who like go out of their way and they're like, Hmm, let me just hire someone to be a little scout or hire a couple guys to be a scout. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, we'll pay you, you know, X amount of money if you just do this for a month, just scout some guys. Right. Or even just a one time thing. Right. Well, I mean, I feel like it's just right, getting the to the point. The tryouts. Yeah. It's just getting to the point where people have their identities, but also to like teams and captains are getting very serious. You know, we know that Dermar Johnson prides himself on being a GM, you know, an, an A class drafter. You know, we know that power is that team that's just like, what's the word? Like well-class, you know, right, yeah, yeah. that, you know, they bring to the table. They're very a well-oiled machine. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. So, you know, teams are fine to start, you know, to have their identities and, you know, they pride themselves on certain things and they're competitive and just, and just nature being guys who have hooped all their lives. So you know, we might get to the point where we're just going to see some some crazy things. We just don't know. We'll have some crazy draft and combine stories. Yeah, I, I think we're heading towards it, especially. And I guess one question that I'm really interested to find out, and I hope we will get some firsthand encounters, but 
you know, we talked about it, a minimum of five people. So a minimum of 10 total, five from DC, five from Dallas are getting invited, are getting flown out to this combine. How are those wow. five determined? How are those five determined? It's a good point. I don't know if captains made the decision or they just go to the head honchos and say, Q, Jeff, it's up to you guys. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I would have to imagine that Thomas Scott is involved. I'd have yeah, to imagine definitely. that. The coaches, I, you know, I don't know, but that'll be very interesting to see. And I wonder if all 12 teams are going to send some form of representation to each. That's a good point, too. Each tryout, you know. That's a really good point, too. And you got to think it's going to be it's going to be fun. I mean, these guys are paying $500 to try out. Oh, yeah. And, and you look at it like an investment as a hooper, but you also, too, are like, I'm not going to lose my $500 for nothing. So, no, definitely. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Can you so, imagine if you paid $500, you just put up a stinker of a performance? How yeah, I would be that's a lot of pressure. Myself. Yeah. I, there's a ton of pressure. <laughs> double piss. Like, double slap in the face. Yeah, exactly. Down the right leg and the left leg. You know, just pissed. <laughs> exactly. So, a lot of good stuff coming up. I think the most important thing is that we have definitive dates. That's something that we've been yes. missing for a long time. And that's something that gives us a lot of hope. I was honestly just kind of reflecting, and this is the last thing, thing I'll say before we get into our two interviews, but just kind of reflecting on the past six months that we've had. And a lot of it's been whirling and twirling and up in the air, a big roller coaster ride. But really, it's just crazy. And, and I, I want to say that we're both very grateful for the people that have listened, that have stuck with us. I know that you've mentioned that a couple of times, Will, but also too, just for the league to be back. It's a good feeling. And, you know, we love the league a lot. We have a lot to talk about and Hey, it paid off to be patient. And, you know, here we are. So, you know, we appreciate everyone who's, who's stuck around. And because of that, we're going to end today's first half with not one, but two interviews. As I mentioned, we have Kareem Rush, who, is an OG member of the big three played for the original three headed monsters team that went to the championship played one season there. Also his brother, Brandon played for aliens last year. So rush family is very much in, in, in tuned and has experience within the big three. And he, this year he decided that he's going to return. So he's going to be a big three prospect again. And then our second interview following that will be CJ Watson of killer threes who as we all know, another guy who's been to the final stage was a runner up, a key cog in what Killer Threes did and will probably be doing this year. He'll be an essential part of their team. Um, both are pretty, pretty brief interviews, but I think we got a lot of good stuff out of them. So we hope you guys enjoy and let's get to both interviews. Okay, today we're blessed to have on longtime NBA vet, first round pick by the Raptors, then traded to the LA Lakers right away. And one of the OG players in the big three for three-headed monsters, Kareem Rush. Appreciate you coming on the show, man. How's everything going for you? Everything's going well, man. Appreciate you boys having me on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Want to start with your family background just a little bit. Um, you obviously grew up in a household where you and your siblings were all uh, – it was very basketball-centric. You guys were all hoopers. You guys all went the distance. What was it like growing up in that household? And I'm sure you guys pushed each other nonstop. So what was it like just growing up like side-by-side? Both your uh, yeah, yeah, basketball is pretty much all, all we know and all we've been known for. Uh, you know, my brother, Jerron, who was kind of the, the one who started it all for us, uh, you know, was a basketball phenom. Uh, you know, by the time he was in eighth grade, he's the number one player in the country. So, you know, from, from an early age, I knew what, it, you know, I had somebody to look up to in the household who I got a chance to compete against every day. 
got a chance to push me every day who I can learn from, you know, so having an older brother like him, you know, was out there, it was definitely a blessing. Um, and then my younger brother who's probably younger than I am, you know, obviously just kind of, you know, learn from us, you know, so, you know, it's been a blessing, you know, we've evolved, you know, done amazing things, um, you know, you know, from the game, you know, so it's definitely been a blessing for us to, um, you know, be a basketball family here in, here in Kansas City. Were any of you like ever considering another sport? Like, uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to go to the basketball route. I'm a, I'm going to do something different. Or has it always been basketball for you guys? I mean, for me personally, and Brandon, you know, basketball has been the only one. Uh, I dabbled it. I, tr- I ran track in seventh and eighth grade, played a little football seventh and eighth grade, but wasn't, wasn't serious about it. But mm-hmm. my older brother, Jerron, uh, he was great at every sport. You know, he probably could have <laughs> been a, he probably could have been a, you know, NFL quarterback. You know, he was first team all state as a freshman as a quarterback. So, he got knocked out his freshman year and was unconscious for like a couple minutes. My mom said right then and there that football <laughs> was out of question for us. So yeah, basketball became the basketball became the primary focus. And, you know, obviously, it, you know, it led to some great things for us. So, but uh, I had interest in football. If my brother would continue to play, I probably would have played football in high school as well. When you see families, sort of basketball families that we know now, obviously the balls are the big ones, but even like the holidays, and then you can even go to like the Plumleys, you know, is it almost like an unfair advantage sort of that you have this like elite competition that you're living with every day and you're training with and you're growing up with? I mean, it could be unfair advantage and it could be some added pressure that you may not want. Um, you know, some brothers, like you look at Peyton Manning's brother, his older brother, he doesn't play football at all. Now he's like the comedian guy on, on Fox. So <laughs> it, it could be some undue pressure with that. Um, but for me, you know, like I said, it was a challenge. So I got a chance to go to my brother every, to the gym with him every day. Brandon was like five years younger than me. So he didn't really get a chance to play with us from like as far as the AAU circuit. But me and Dron was together all the time playing. I was always playing up on their teams. Uh, so no, no pressure at all. Like I said, just, it was an added benefit for me to be able to go in the backyard and play against somebody who was number one in the country, you know? So for me, it, it was definitely a, a blessing. That's awesome. And so now too, so now I guess fast forward a little bit, you get drafted uh, and then you get right to trade immediately to the Lakers. You're on a team with very heavy expectations and credit to yourself. When the lights shine the brightest, you seem to really come alive. You had an excellent run in the 2002 playoffs. What was it about, I guess, preparing for the NBA playoffs, preparing for a stage with the, you know, preparing for a stage that important games that important that really elevated your game. I mean, I didn't really have any pressure on me. You know, my job is to go out there and knock down open shots. That's what I was known for. So, you know, for me to play well and, and, and knock those shots was something that I expected myself to do. So it wasn't no, no pressure for me. Uh, when you're getting wide open shots because of Shaq and Kobe and Carl, all the other great players who are, that's your job to knock down shots. But, you know, I was able to step up in some big moments uh, and knock down some big shots. Uh, but again, that's what you know, I get paid for. That's what I prepared for. That's what I worked hard for to go out there and, and, and do that for my team. It's pretty interesting from your perspective because you played with some greats, um, obviously, with the Lakers coming in. And then when you came into the big three as well, you also played on a pretty star-studded team, um, played with an old teammate of yours. How did you find out about the league, first and foremost? Uh, you know, I was always staying in shape, always in, on the circuit, being out in L.A. and stuff. You start hearing rumblings about, you know, a new league coming about. And then, you know, as soon as the press hit, guys was like, hell yeah. <laughs> like that's what we're looking for guys still think they can shape uh, you know always playing in rec leagues and stuff now we can get back on the circuit and play and make a little money and still you know get rid of that you know competitive you know spirit that we all always still have still to this day you know so for us it was like yeah this is an amazing opportunity and guys jumped on it so I, I was blessed enough to be able to play in that first year I didn't play the following three years but Brandon played last year so I've been gearing myself up, you know, getting getting healthy, getting back in shape to, you know, make a run at it again this summer. So, you know, it's a great platform. Uh, guys really enjoy it, and it's only going to continue to grow. 
Yes, sir. That's super dope. And, you know, you had a lot of really big names on your team, Jason Williams, uh, Mahmoud, Sweet Lou there. Yeah. But one guy I find really intriguing is your old teammate, Gary Payton, as a head coach now. What's the difference between teammate Gary Payton and head coach Gary Payton? Nothing. He talked the same. (laughs) (laughs) It's loud, but it's cool and knowledgeable as ever. Uh, he, like, he enjoys the game. He brings that passion that he played, you know, as a player, you know, to the coaching style. And, you know, and the big three is all about entertainment. So having to talk like him and Steven Jackson go at it uh, was definitely a big thing for Lee to get him aboard. But, you know, Gary knows the game. He's, all, he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. Uh, but, you know, for us, it was great to be coached by him and, you know, make that run. But unfortunately, we didn't win it, but we had a good, we had a good run. I'm curious about if there is a story behind it, specifically how you got involved with, you said the big three made aware of it, but what about three-headed monsters? Was there a specific person that recruited you to that specific team? No, no. Someone went down. That's that's when Jay Will got hurt. Mm -hmm. And then I I was one of the alternates. So I I picked up right after the second game and played the remainder of the season. So it was due to an injury that I I was able to get on. Um, But like I said, I had a nice little eight-game run there. Uh, Wasn't in the best of shape, but like I said, I'm prepared for it now. You know, the three-on-three games should, should suit me perfectly, you know, being that I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape. So I'm, I'm excited about the combine and the opportunity to get back out there and compete and, and uh, get a chance to play in it. I want to talk about the run that you had um, with three-headed monsters. You guys obviously made it all the way to the playoffs or to the championship, I should say. You guys actually were leading in that game before Trilogy came back. But yeah, yeah. overall, what do you think was like the – was a big like catalyst for you guys to get there and then – yeah, yeah, we had Sweet Lou. Yeah. We had Sweet Lou the first year. Sweet Lou yeah. was the MVP. So Rashad was doing his thing. And we had Mahmoud. People didn't expect none out of him. And like I said, we just had a squad, you know. Uh, we all played well together. We had Eddie Baston. We had Kwame. Uh, so we had some 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 guys to go out there and compete. So, and like I said, once you get hot, you know, in a situation like that, if you got a hot hand like Rashad was playing that, that whole entire year, yeah. uh, we just kind of rode him, you know, rode him to the finals. Yeah, in that finals game, you guys got off to that early lead and faltered a little bit. Obviously, Trilogy's a really good team. What do you feel like was uh, the biggest, like, game changer in that where it kind of, uh, you know, gave uh, momentum shit. the trilogy? Shit, that was four years ago. I couldn't even remember the damn game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I, just know, I just know we lost. They had a squad, too. They had Kmart. They had Rashard. They had James White. They had, they had Deion Glover. You know, so they had a squad, too. They were undefeated most of the year. So they were, you know, probably the heavy favorites uh, throughout the year. Uh, so it wasn't no surprise they eventually won it. But, you know, we, we obviously wanted to win it and, and made our run at it. Uh, but didn't get there. But like I said, it was a fun, amazing, you know, first year for it. Uh, definitely enjoyed my time. Like I said, I'm always looking forward to trying to get back out there and play in year. Uh, what's this year five? Or year four. Year, year four, four should be year, year five. COVID year four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So get back out there year four. Well, shit. I know it's been four years, but still, you've seen the big three. You know, last year you played in it the first year. What do you feel like are the biggest differences that are really like compelling to you? The competition getting better. The guys are getting younger. They're allowing younger guys to get in. Uh, I said they, they let sessions in. They had an overseas guy, but he backed out. Like I said, I see more and more guys, younger guys who are trying to play overseas or do something to kind of get involved with the league um, and, and build. Like I said, the higher quality of basketball is, is how the league is going to grow. So I anticipate them kind of, let, like I said, letting more guys, younger guys, uh, more athletic guys into the league. But, you know, for the most part, um, you know, it's really going to rely on the NBA guys, those well-known guys to kind of, you know, you know push the league. It's, it's good to see Joe Johnson coming back and all those guys. You know, so it's going to be challenging. You know, it's, it's going to be a competitive league. And, you know, like I said, like myself, I'm just looking to go out there and compete and have fun. For sure. And, and speaking of guys who came in and sort of or definitely raised the elevation of play, leaves the level of expectation in the league, your brother, Brandon Rush, he came yep. in last season with Aliens and he had a 
tremendous first season. How cool was that as his older brother to see what he did uh, it was in dope. 2019? Oh, yeah. I'm always proud of my brother, whatever he does. So he's getting he's overplaying in Greece now, so he'll be fresh to come back. And we're going to start training and getting ready for it. So I, I anticipate him, you know, landing a spot in the league as well, especially because he played so well last year. So it'd be dope if somebody finds a chance to put us on the same team. Uh, you know, from a market standpoint, that, that'd be pretty dope. So, like I said, I'm going to do my part, get myself to shape, go out there and kill the combine and, uh, and shoot for an opportunity. For sure, for sure. Now, for you as an older brother, is there a preference? You know, I have younger brothers. I played with them, played against them. What's more fun, to play with Brandon on a squad or play against him, maybe guard him in a team? What, what do you think? At this point, it'd be fun to play with them. We never played with each other. We actually had a chance to play with each other when he got drafted to Indiana and them leaving that summer for Philly. Uh, but if I would stay, we probably would have played on the same team. But I got a chance to play with them a couple of times in the league. But either way, you know, we both got a chance to have an opportunity to play in the big three. That'd be great. You know, but, you know, selfishly, obviously, I would like to play him on the same team. That'd be dope. But if we, if we have to be an opponent, then I'm going to go out there and bust his ass then. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you think of from a marketing strategy. I, you know, I just – that I mean, I process. do a lot of business. So I understand the marketing, well, how you grow in the league. I got something I'm coming up you guys going to hear about here pretty soon, surely after okay. the big three. It revolves around basketball as well. So I understand how to build these, these type of leagues. So I'm doing something similar. Uh, but, yeah, there's going to be some exciting news coming down the pipeline shortly after the big three. Okay. Oh, I'm excited. Super dope. Super dope. Well, one thing that was really marketed throughout the big three season back in 2019 was uh, Brandon's crossover on Ricky Davis for the win oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I mean, everybody, anybody and everybody was talking about that on Twitter, especially the basketball community. Obviously, uh, King Josiah on Twitter uh, really went like big with it and, and made it well known. Where where were you at during that time? And did you see that live? And what were your thoughts? Yeah, I saw a lot. I saw a lot. I was okay. like, damn, there you go. Be aggressive. Like, don't let him, don't let him press nothing. you like that. He's trying to press up on somebody. That's what should happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what, you know, so, uh, you know, like I said, Brandon had a great year. You know, just across the board, he, he, he was up there in, in a lot of different uh, categories, you know, playing well. So uh, I expect him to be even better this year, knowing that he knows the game. Uh, he's, like I said, he came off a long season in Greece, you know, so he'd be in shape and ready to go. What's the biggest thing that you feel like you bring to a big three team now, um, having experienced that season one? I still can shoot. I mean, I still can shoot <laughs> to the best of them. Like I said, I, I didn't shoot as well as I wanted to the first year. Uh, but like I said, I, I train kids now, so I'm in the gym. So my game is back to where it needs to be. So shooting is kind of what I do, what I'm known for. And that's what I, what I plan to bring. You know, a lot of guys, you know, the four-point shot has been great, but I want to really, really – be the four-point shot guy and knocking down okay. a couple per game and stuff like that. Kareem, we've been waiting for that. We've been waiting for the four-point shot guy. I think the most in a season has been like four or six That's what maybe? I'm saying. I'm talking yeah. about four a game, four in one game. That's yeah, yes, sir. Okay, <laughs> so, that's what I love to hear. Yeah. Uh, okay, you're making your return to the big three. Um, obviously, you're going to go through the combine and everything again. What are your expectations for season four, even your biggest hopes, that, you know, coming into the, the summer here? I mean, like for guys that, you know, always continue to, to uh, extend their careers, get an opportunity to play, you know, uh, you know, being a part of the first part, of, you know, first season, you know, obviously you want, you know, entrepreneurs like Ice Cube to continue to succeed in what he's doing because he helps pushing on, you know, guys like me and like I said, extenders, you know, our playing careers. So, you know, for the players, go out there and have fun, and continue to build the league. And, you know, for me personally, like I said, go out there and compete, uh, give him my best shot. I'd be happy with that uh, and try to make a team. And like I said, keep having fun. Yeah, you got to. You gotta show these young guys, you know, what's up, you know, with those. Exactly. I feel like I'm a lot 40, of young guys I'm, about to come I'm in. Better shape than 25 year olds, so they see, they see. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of young guys are gonna have this mindset, like, oh, we're gonna, you know, bust the ass of these old dudes. But I feel, I feel like they're gonna get a rude awakening, you know. They will. They will. <laughs> 
Um, one last thing, we really appreciate the time. Got to ask you, because I see a lot of you representing the gentleman brand there. Yeah. What's the gentleman brand? And uh, uh, if there's anything else the you want to plug brand, in here. The gentleman brand my fashion lifestyle brand. I kicked it off a couple of years ago. So we sell everything from athleisure, uh, everyday essential products. Uh, I do lingerie, athleisure, uh, swimwear for women. You know, so we got a lot of different stuff going on with the Gentleman Brand. Check it out, thegentlemanbrand.com. Uh, support your boy. Uh, it's just going well. Yes, sir. Dope. Okay. Well, we're excited to see you this summer. We appreciate the time. Uh, looking forward to what you got in store after the big three, and uh, we'll be rooting for you for sure. I appreciate it, boys. Today, we're pleased to welcome on 10-year NBA vet and Killer Threes guard, CJ Watson. Welcome to the show. and appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Excited to get into it. Um, I haven't had too many Killer Threes guys on, I feel like, in a while, but I want to start back <laughs> with uh, your college career just a little bit, because where you went to school kind of resonates with me a little bit um, here in the, the Tennessee area. But okay. just wanted to hear, you know, was there any kind of culture shock for you coming from Nevada and then going to the University of Tennessee over there in Knoxville? Uh, no, not really. Um, I mean, I'm more of a city boy. I don't really like the country that much, but <laughs> my family uh, is from Nashville, actually. So I used to go to oh, Nashville nice. every summer when I was younger. So it wasn't that much of a culture shock. It was just, you know, just far away from home. And uh, like I said, just more and more country and, and cold weather and bugs and stuff like that <laughs> that I was used to. Yeah, no, I feel that because I'm definitely not like a country person either. But I just kind of grew up here and wanted to ask you just about Knoxville because they're pretty prideful of their balls over there. Um, and, you know, they're always talking them up everywhere and anywhere in Tennessee. What was the support like when you were at UT Knoxville? And did you ever, did you always feel like there were people in Knoxville just like hollering at you? Just like, hey, nice job. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was always it was always fun. Uh, the support in Knoxville was crazy because, you know, it's a small city. Uh, it's mostly a college town. So. Uh, when I was there in my first couple of years, it was mostly, you know, football was the biggest sport and women's basketball. And then we fell down the line somewhere between there. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, in my latter years, it was, uh, you know, we were starting to pick up uh, more steam in basketball, men's basketball and football wasn't as good. But the women's uh, team was still always pretty good. But uh, they, they supported every sport, you know, men's or women's. And there's some diehard fans there. Yes, sir. <laughs> Can't agree more. I see there uh, in the background, you have your books, your children's books that obviously have been very successful so far. I know um, they were one of the books that was included in like the little elementary school preschool that they had in the NBA bubble. Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, were you aware that that was going to be one of the books included? And how was that feeling that those are one of the books that was going to be in the NBA bubble? Uh, no. So when I saw the picture, I was shocked. Uh, you know, I thought it was a uh, Photoshop maybe. Uh, <laughs> but it, was definitely, <laughs> it was definitely, you know, an honor and a privilege, you know, to be in, in the, in the NBA bubble, you know, for the for those young kids when they're in school, and uh, just to be in, just, just seeing my book there, you know, uh, definitely a dream come true. But I feel like I still have, you know, a lot more young kids to reach and uh, more more cities and states to touch and countries. We see a lot of NBA players write, you know, biographies, sometimes autobiographies about their career. But you sort of went in a different direction with children's <laughs> book. What was the story behind that decision? And, you know, how, how are you liking the success you've had so far with it? Um, I just wanted to continue to inspire kids. Uh, I thought just me telling my story um, was enough, but I want to continue to inspire kids and tell my stories through books. You know, I say, you know, well, a better way to, to reach young kids, you know, and tell a positive message and then and through a book. So that was kind of the idea 
never really wanted to be an author. It just kind of something that popped into my head and something that, you know, once I once I started doing the groundwork for, I wanted to continue and finish it out. And, uh, you know, this is the, the end product of it. That's super dope. Yeah, I don't think anyone ever like, it feels like ne- nobody ever goes into their career like expecting to do yeah. art. People always expect to do one thing, but never do what they, you know, actually end up doing. So that's pretty yeah. dope that you did that. And uh, just pivoting back to basketball a little bit. Um, I know for you, you had a pretty prolific college career, but it seemed like NBA teams didn't think that necessarily. I know you went undrafted and you played overseas for a little bit. Ultimately, you know, you kept your head down and you made it to the league. Uh, and you had a long, long career there. But was there a moment for you, like coming overseas, where you realized that the hard work and dream was about to pay off, or I should say, coming back from overseas? Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely getting undrafted was definitely, uh, I guess, not a shock, but it definitely, you know, was uh, something that uh, I guess I was very discouraged about. And then having to go overseas for for my first year, and then not having such a great uh, first year, having a different coach every month was kind of up in the up in arms for me and I, it definitely was something that made me lose lose faith lose confidence in, in the game of basketball and kind of a little bit of myself but I definitely you know found found the momentum and found the, the joy back to playing basketball back in the D league and just learn how to be a professional and learn how to uh, come to come to work every day and then you know and try to have a long career yes sir well you made it to the NBA you certainly did that and you played on the same team as some young stars that we had in our, have in the NBA still. Um, obviously, Steph was one of them. And then when you played in Chicago with uh, Derrick Rose uh, mm-hmm. back, you know, before their ascension, was it pretty obvious that they were going to be superstars in this league? Or did you ever have any doubts or maybe even your teammates? Um, I don't think any of my teammates had any doubts, uh, <laughs> especially, you know, the year D. Rose had. I mean, he was already coming off a, a great college career. You know, uh, I think he was one or two years or whatever then. Now his first two or three years in the league and him just getting better and better each year and gaining more confidence. And then, you know, eventually being the MVP, I think we all saw it in him, saw how great he could be and definitely, you know, he saw it in himself. So that's, that was the main key. I feel like it's the same thing for Steph uh, playing with him his rookie year. Uh, I don't think no one would predict that he would change the game of basketball like he did, but I'm sure, you know, he put in the hard work. He was always there working before practice, after practice. And you definitely saw the growth, you know, year by year, um, even through injuries, through things like that. He's still, uh, persevered and you know became the player there he is now you were part of a very unique experience uh sticking to the nba w- part of the nets franchise moving from jersey to brooklyn you know we don't really see a lot of nba t- we see a lot of rebranding a lot of renames different logos different colors but very rarely especially now do we see a team actually move what is that like from a player's perspective being a part of a franchise that is undergoing such a, a massive change in their history I think it's very different because you have, you know, two sets of fans. You have the new Brooklyn fans. Like every time we played in, in Barclays, you know, you would see a lot of more younger uh, crowd, you know, hipper crowd. And we used to practice in Jersey. And then uh, the people over there were mad that the team is leaving and going to Jersey and going to Brooklyn. So, you know, it's kind of catch 22. But I definitely think they still support, um, you know, whatever team is moving. And definitely for, for that year for Brooklyn, we had such a great, you know, hype about our team. And we had a, we had a pretty good team, you know, uh, making in the playoffs and things of that nature. So I think it's definitely you know, fun to be a part of that, that uh, rebranding. Man, that's super cool. Um, you know, sticking to, or I should say pivoting kind of the big three, uh, we touched on the Warriors a little bit. One thing I thought that was pretty interesting, I was looking at, back at some of the guys you played with during your Warriors tenure. You played mm-hmm. with a lot of guys that ended up playing in the big three, um, just to name mm-hmm. a few, Stephen Jackson, Corey Maggette, uh, Anthony Morrow, Marcus Williams, mm-hmm. Al Harrington. Uh you know, did any of those guys tell you about the league or how did the opportunity come about um, to play in the big three? 
Uh, so, yeah, actually, I was teammates with uh, Steven Jackson. He was one of the guys that played on the team. But even I'm still close with Al and Jack now. And um, they used to tell me about the big three. And I went to one of their games, uh, you know, just uh, through the summer one time. And um, I, I always said I would never probably play in the big three when I was done because it's just, you know, too physical. You know, it's uh, the rest really don't call fouls. It's pretty much uh, prison basketball. <laughs> which is fine and I, I love to play and uh but I think I thought it was just something I would play in I thought once I'd be done with basketball I'd be fully done with it but it's definitely fun to get back out there it's fun to see some old teammates see old friends old competitors and and play against people that I once uh, looked up to but never had a chance to play against um even though you know not, their game is not the same as it was back back in the day but it's definitely fun to play against and just trash talk <laughs> <laughs> your first game in the big three is pretty interesting. Um, I think it's one of the few games that actually went past 50, you know, um, and we're trying to find a score. But it was like the game you guys were playing without stack and you guys came back to play or went against Tri-State there. What did you learn about that team like as a whole and how did that set the tone for the rest of the year, you think? Uh, that team was just, you know, just a team full of competitors. We were all kind of, um, I guess, late picks or, you know, uh, late scratchings to play in the big three, I guess. And we just all just kind of fought, even without uh, one of our best players, our main players, Jack. We still came out and pulled out a victory. And um, definitely, you know, uh, any of us not ever playing like three on three basketball competitively or, you know, uh, I guess for uh, for a prize or whatever. It was definitely fun to get out there and show our skills and, and just show, you know, that we just come out there to have fun and, and try to win the game. What's it like playing under Coach Oak? I'd have to imagine that's got to be a pretty unique experience. Uh, he's, he's definitely fun to play for. He's probably one of my favorites. I had a lot of great coaches throughout my high school, college, you know, even like growing up uh, AAU and all that kind of stuff. Tough coaches, coaches who would yell at you, cuss at you. But actually, you know, playing for Oak is not that bad. He's not as mean as people think. Uh, he's very, very light. Just tells us to go out there and have fun and, and just make plays and win. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't see it from that uh, elbow he he uh he used like in that first season oh yeah, saw, yeah, like, that was, that. yeah he hit, he hit uh, i think he hit out on the face <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> went out there to play was taking some uh poor shots there and then and, and caught somebody with an elbow so that was pretty entertaining though yeah that's why i see that's why i, I wouldn't want to play once i'm done with the nba <laughs> I, I feel like i'm done getting injured <laughs> <laughs> no I feel i'm done that. getting elbowed in the face yeah. i feel that absolutely um felt like you were pretty comfortable with like really within the second game though I think it was the first game stat came back. You went, you had like 14 points, four rebounds, four assists in that second game. And you just looked like you were really aggressive getting to your spots. Did you feel like there was any kind of learning curve or adjustment coming into the big three? Uh, not really. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still just basketball. And I played three on three basketball growing up my whole life. So I know kind of about spacing, about, you know, health defense. And, mm -hmm. and pretty much in three and three, there is none. Uh, it's either that or you give up open shots. So. And it's kind of um, the the younger team, the faster team, the team that who, who can score the most and score the most points fastest it always is, is ones that win. So uh, it was a, I was just out there just playing basketball, just having fun. No really, you know, scattering report, just going out there and just kind of just having fun. Yeah, definitely felt like um, with three on three, it like takes a little bit of time just to get comfortable because there's so many less guys, I yeah. guess. Um, but that was cool, you know, to see you go out there and ball out like that. Um, and felt like you got where you were – Kind of in sync with your teammate there, Dante Green. I don't know if you knew him prior, but it seemed like your games were always uh, pretty on par or in sync uh, just when you guys were out there coming, whether you're coming off the bench or starting. Did you, was, do you feel like there was like your styles of play just really synced up well or did you just have good chemistry off the court and that translated 
uh, on the court there? Yeah, so I never knew Dante before that. I obviously played against him in the NBA a couple of times, but never knew him personally. But um, like I said, I just thought he was a, a great player for our team. He, he can shoot the ball. He's a big guard who can guard and switch off to multiple people. And I always used to tell him if I drive to the basket, most of the time, either they're going to they're gonna help and I'll find you in the corner or wherever you're at. Or if they don't help, I'll just get a, a wide open layup. So it was kind of just, like I said, just easy basketball, just playing the game and taking what the defense gives us. Nice. You ended up taking part in what would end up being the last big three game, unfortunately, for a little bit. And that was that championship game in Staples Center. It was a packed out Staples Center against the Triplets and Joe Johnson. Obviously, you guys didn't come uh, away with the win there, unfortunately. But I guess talk about the atmosphere that was there and the anticipation from your guys' mm-hmm. end. Uh, it was definitely fun. We were talking about the championship game ever since, you know, the first game of the season. Honestly, we uh, we thought we had a team to 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 beat everyone we, we uh, went up against um, having two guards like myself and Frank and then Jack Dante. And then we wanted to play big. We can go with Eddie Curry and Josh Powell. Um, so I think our, our whole team kind of clicked and it kind of went well for us. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like, you know, that team is still pretty solid. I mean, obviously they took a big loss with Jack moving over to the coaching role and then also coaching for trilogy uh, and that man loaded up his team right away, added Zebo and everything. But uh, yeah. <laughs> he's cheating, I, um, right? Exactly. He's like, oh, I know I'm going to be coach, so let me get one of the the best players coming in that that is yeah. new to the league. But um, that being said, you still have a really solid team. Like one of the, I would say one of the better foundations. You know, as we're trying to figure out who's coming back and who's not in the big three. But first off, is is your plan to come back? And then if so, you know, what do you feel like in your eyes? Uh, does your team need, you know, in order to get back and have a different outcome in that championship game? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, want to come back if they want me back. Uh, I haven't talked to anyone from the team yet, but hopefully that's the case. But we'll see. Um, at the end of the day, uh, if I play, I play. If I don't, I don't. It's all, it's all good. I'm still going to support the league and stuff. But I think if I do come back, I think uh probably just need uh, maybe another bigger guard, a guard who can score, shoot, play defense, uh, switch out to multiple people. Uh, I think that's kind of the name of the game in the big three, just being able to guard. You can if you get switched on and, and take advantage and uh, advantage of the mismatches. For sure. I mean, I, I've been on record of saying that I think the open captain spot for killer threes is probably the most, you know, lucrative spot um, in the big three right now that's currently vacant. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a ready-made championship contender, and absolutely, like you guys said, losing stack is huge. Stack was, you know, I feel like the engine for that team, mm-hmm. but you know, you just named sort of a player that you would like to see there. Are there any names that pop into your head? You know, guys maybe from the big big three, maybe outside of the league that you would love to see fill that spot? Um, honestly, I don't even know. I haven't looked into it too, too deep. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm sure there's a lot of names out there. I mean, just a name off the top of my head, I would say Jamal Crawford or someone like that, maybe, or Vince. Like, mm-hmm. they, like they've been posting about in the big three and stuff. But other than that, uh, like I said, I haven't looked – you know, kind of too far into it. I guess I'm not really a captain. I don't have to, I don't have to pick and choose those kind of people or make yeah. those choices. So I guess I really don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the good thing is you don't even have to go to the combine this year. You just, you suit up and play and you meet your new teammates. So that's going to be dope. Right. Yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already said CJ that you played with all these guys. So you're the one with all the connections. <laughs> right. You're, you're so right. They might be texting you be like, CJ, we need you to text so-and-so. We know you played with him back in the day. I so. don't know those dudes too. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I was a captain, I would, I would have some pool, but I'm not a captain. <laughs> I mean, maybe if hey, you know, we change that, you know, I'll, I'll have some more pool. Then I, then I can help people out. <laughs> 
<laughs> the spot's open right now. It's a, it's a battle of uh, who's <laughs> left. <true>. Right. <laughs> no, uh, we appreciate you coming on. Last thing I want to ask you is, uh, you know, as you just finished up, finished up your trifecta with your books, do you have any other projects in the works, you know, as an author, or do you have any other projects just in general, you know, from yourself? I know that you've been, uh, it looks like you're an angel investor in the UNEST app maybe, but I just want to yeah. see if you had anything else that you're working on right now. Uh, yeah, just, uh, I'm trying to finish my fourth book right now. I'm just trying to, uh, decide like what the process is. I want to go where I want to go with the story and then finish up the storyline, things of that nature. And then hopefully, you know, turn the, the, the book series into a cartoon, uh, or something like that, or maybe even a movie, you never know. Uh, but I definitely, mm-hmm. uh, want to continue to see, see it work, you know, guys like Kobe, like Kevin Durant and, and Michael Conley win the Oscar, that kind of, you know, inspires me to, to write some stories and, and continue to just to put the put the stories out there and let the world you know see it and feel it and if they if they like it you know you know get rewarded for it like they did yeah it's awesome. That's awesome excited to see what you have in store we appreciate you coming on best of luck this summer and uh we'll see what your team ends up looking like it's going to be exciting thanks appreciate it All right, guys, that was our two interviews with Kareem Rush and CJ Watson, two guys looking from the big three, looking at the upcoming big three draft from pretty different points of views. One guy's trying to crack back into the league. The other guy is going to be a part of hopefully another championship contending season. So it was really fun to see those two point of views. We really appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, as always, you can find the show on YouTube, your preferred podcast platform, and on Dash Radio every Saturday. We appreciate you guys. Also, I got to give a shout out to Stack the Deck. Our jerseys yes, came in. Yes, sir. We're Absolutely. Fresh. Looking fresh. We're the freshest looking team in the rec league. So I'm excited. I appreciate everybody who's listened, and we will see you guys as always next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.